There's a season coming that you need to prepare for, that you need to be prepared for. And sometimes we look outside in the middle of winter and we say, oh, it's just so bleak sometimes and there's no leaves on the trees. But I want to tell you something about these trees. If you look out the window, they are planted and deeply rooted. And when the season of change comes, those trees are going to react to what the season is doing and they're going to bring forth fruit in its season. Will you be planted this morning, even though maybe in your own life you feel like, God, there's something more, but there's a season that is coming that God is waiting for people to be planted that they might rise up in the hour when the winds begin to blow and the sun begins to shine and the warmth comes and all of a sudden the rains start to pour as the rain of the Holy Spirit begins to pour over this house and there's leaves that begin to come out of these branches and there's a change that is coming, a season that is coming to the house. And I declare this morning, would you be ready? Would you be ready for the season of change? Hallelujah. Come on, someone. Declare it out. Say, I am ready. I am ready for change. I don't know about you, but I am ready. I am ready for change. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, don't let me get tripped on this cord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Can you can you say God is good this morning? He is so good and so faithful. What a faithful God we serve. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Aren't they awesome? They're my favorite. <laughs> Amen. God is good. I want to thank you so much, Joanne and, and, and uh, Jordan, for just putting on this event and all of those who have helped you because you don't do it alone there, there's much help that happens and uh, so thank you we are not we are not meant to do this on our own we, we are we are not supposed to do this on our own we need to be connected with others and we need the, the Bible says that's why the Bible says that we we don't forsake the gathering of ourselves together that we might stir up love and good works Amen. You are, you, are, you are meant to gather to stir up love and good works. God has a work for you to do. And the work of this camp this weekend was a lot of work. And, and not just one person did it, a whole team did it. But thank you for your vision um, in, in this house and what you're doing with the youth here. Amen. Give it up for her and her team. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are super blessed to be here and, and, and so thankful. Um, you know, I'm honored that you've asked me to speak this morning. Uh, it's truly a pleasure. Um, it's been quite a while since I've been here, um, you know, quite a, a number of years. But uh, this is the church, of course, that my wife Amy is, is from and her father's uh, Kevin Matatal. I don't know if you heard of that name before or not, but um, that's who she's related to. And so... Um, you know, we were reminiscing about some, I mean, I remember coming here when I was a teenager and coming to youth conferences. I remember laying on this floor, just whacked out in the Holy Spirit, just getting filled and just getting prepared for what what, what life was going to come my way. And, and, you know, God had just moments of just, you know, I remember being at this altar face down crying. I'm like, just, there's, there's a richness here. There's deep wells that have been dug here. And uh, this church has always been... Um, very faithful to the Lord. Amy recalls uh, times when they'd have all-night prayer meetings, and, and they, she'd sleep in her sleeping bag up here because all the adults were, were doing prayer meetings um, all night. And uh, just, so just wonderful, the legacy 
you know, of, of the church. And um, so those of you who know that, about that, who've been in, in those moments, you, you understand what I'm talking about, that you under, you've seen the seasons of change. You've seen what's, what's coming on. And, and listen, there's something coming that's so great. God doesn't, God is doing a new thing. Like, I'm telling you, the word isn't new. Like, he doesn't do something other than his word. But, but your experience of what he's doing is going to be new. And, and you need to be receptive of that. And you need to be understanding that God is, is wanting to pour out something fresh, fresh oil. And uh, the church, the church needs to be ready. Not just this building, but the church needs to be ready. The North American church needs to be ready. Because we sit back, and I'm not talking to you because none of you do this, but we sit back in our pews and we just kind of wait it out and we just, you know, let, let kind of life go by. But I'm telling you that what, what the kingdom needs is a body of believers who will rise up with the word of God in hand, studying to show themselves approved. They might rightly divide the word of truth and be ambassadors for the kingdom of God in this county, in this land, in this nation. And, and that is our calling. Amen. And it's not just to sit in church and, and go through the motions. You have a calling on your life to do good works. The Bible says you've been prepared. You are a workmanship prepared for good works. You have a work to do. You are not just a pew warmer. Amen? You have a work to do. And I think you know that. I'm not telling you something you don't know, but I love to encourage the church because, man, we have the message of the gospel. Like, we have the greatest message ever. Amen? A couple people said amen. That's great. We have the greatest message. We have a life-saving message. One that we, we were once lost in sin and in just the disgust of this world. And Jesus came to redeem us, that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have the greatest message that if you are here today and your life is a complete mess, that you can turn to Jesus and He can change you and and turn you into something beautiful. Amen. He can change you. He can make you new. He he gives you new life, a purpose and a plan because you've been born with a purpose. Your age has nothing to do with it. Listen, I don't care how old or young you are this morning. But you need to understand that you are here for such a time as this. And I declare this a lot at home, and I spoke about it recently, but we, we talk about, you know, the time that we have on earth is pretty short. And we're all on a different point, amen? And we don't know when that's going to end, unfortunately. But we do have this moment. We do have right now. And we need to, what the Bible says, redeem the time. Make the most of this moment in time so that future generations can look back and see that we did not squander the time we were given, but we did with it what God intended us to do with it, and we pursued the kingdom of God, we advanced the kingdom of God, and we were courageous and brave in the face of adversity, but we stood stood on the solid rock of Christ Jesus, and we declared the goodness of God. And we've seen change in our day. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about something. Can, can you bring that down here, maybe? Sorry, I, I just... Thanks, AJ. Amen. Let's turn to the book of Joshua. 
not Joshua 1. I know that's where you're thinking I'm going, but I'm not. Joshua 1, that's the courageous uh, verse. No, I'm going to do another one. I'm going to go to the end of Joshua. Though if you get a moment, read Joshua 1, because it's foundational for your Christian walk, that you not let the word of God depart from your lips, but you meditate on it day and night, that everything you do will prosper. Amen? Hallelujah. How's Cape Breton doing? Not, not too tired? Did you guys have fun? Amen? Did you encounter the Lord? Yeah, Ina, yeah. <laughs> or Ina, whatever. <laughs> Amen. That's good. They encountered the Lord. That's where we came. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God, thank you for your word. It is alive and powerful today and relevant today. Amen. So the end of Joshua, the book, uh, Joshua chapter 24. I'm just going to read a few scriptures uh, and kind of go from there. We'll see what happens. I, I, there's a particular message I want to get across this morning. Joshua 24 and verse 14. If you have your, I don't know if we have that on the screen or not, but that's fine if you don't. But if you have your Bible, that's good. You should bring your Bible to church. I have a paper Bible. Anyone ever hear of those? Yeah. Yeah, paper Bibles are cool because you can like underline stuff and write in them. I am not media like savvy. I don't have any media accounts. I'm not on any Facebook or anything. I I, I am strictly like vegan when it comes to media. And uh, and and I do have an, a Bible on my phone that I I use and stuff. But I I like to have an actual Bible. Now, if you have your phone Bible, that's awesome, too. I'm just not saying there's nothing wrong with any of that. The Word of God is good in whichever form it is. I mean, it makes it way easier to smuggle the Word of God into China if it's on your phone than to have Bibles. Because they have to, like, pack their pants with them and, like, sneak through the border. It was it was, it was like, you know, now it's a lot easier uh, to smuggle um, the Word of God. So, if anything, that's really good. But um, I say that just because I'm wasting time to get you there. Are you there? Joshua 24 and 14 says this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. That's something I think the North American church misses, is the fear of the Lord. We, we, we think that God's just going to let us get away with everything. And we don't understand that, that there's a reverent fear that we need to have of God. God is graceful. But we need to, to, to use that. For the kingdom, not just for our own selfishness. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. This is the end of the book of Joshua. You know, the walls came down at Jericho and the, all kinds of great stuff that has happened. Amen? And now he's... Pardon? Did you say something? The sun, the sun stood, stood still. I mean, I did that miracle last week. It was, it was amazing. I, t I tell you, it's, it's a really cool miracle. Because the clocks went back, so I just... Or ahead, or something, anyway. Yeah, I just came up with that, like, right on the spot there. I was trying to think of something to make that work. Um... So, so they have seen quite a lot of stuff. And now Joshua is giving them a farewell, okay, because it's coming to the end of his life. And he now has the congregation of Israel, and he's, and he's declaring to them, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity. I mean, it sounds like he's preaching. Amen? 
He's preaching here, saying, serve the Lord. I mean, uh, put away the gods which your fathers served. Like, get away, get away from all that sin and serve God. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve. Whether the gods which your, your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, say that, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have options. You have options. And Joshua is realizing that they have options, and he's trying to instill in them, serve the Lord. It's going to go way better for you if you put away those other gods, which aren't even real, and they're not alive, and that you'd serve God in sincerity. So he makes a declaration. Me and my home, we're going to serve the Lord. Okay, The man of the house has to declare this. We're serving the Lord here. Okay, We're going to serve the Lord in this home. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God is he who has brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out uh, from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also serve the Lord. We will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Amen. That's the response you want to get from the church. Serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do it. Amen. That's every pastor's dream or every preacher's dream is just get that response. Yes, we are going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve him all the days of our life. So he like preaches and says, you guys need to serve the Lord and put away other gods. And they say, we're going to do it. We're going to pick up the call. We're going to serve the Lord. Ooh, yes. Then the next thing he says blows my mind. Joshua says to the people, you cannot serve the Lord. <laughs> what? Where did that come from? I love this. You cannot serve the Lord. Wait a second. I just, I'm just preaching to you about serving God, and you're saying, yes, we're going to serve the Lord. And I'm looking at you saying, you can't serve the Lord. You go, huh? You just said I should, and I said I would, and now you're saying I can't. Like, what's going on here? You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God, and he, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after, you have, has, after he has done good to you. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. The church of this hour needs to put away the foreign gods of the land and serve the Lord. I'm not talking just to this congregation. So please, if I say something like, is he, you know, I'm not insinuating anything because I, I don't know. All I know is that I know the church in North America, and I know my own church in general. If we don't put away the foreign gods of the land and serve the Lord, then, then, then we are just going to sit idle and never be effective in the kingdom.
And God and Joshua, God is saying through Joshua to this people, you cannot serve the Lord and other gods. You, you cannot serve the gods of this land and serve the Lord. You have to choose who you're going to serve. And the, and the issue is you will choose one or the other. You will make a choice. You won't sit in limbo. You, you, you will make a choice and you will serve somebody. You will serve somebody. And you need to make a decision to serve the Lord. And Joshua is reminding them, if you are going to serve the Lord, this is not something to take lightly. Serving God is the greatest call that you can ever take up. It's the greatest call that you can, that you can pick up and run with. It is not to be taken lightly. And the problem today and the problem that's been in my life is I've taken it lightly. Oh, I got saved and I just, we, we do church and I do all this stuff and it's, you know, and I, I, but I, I don't know the Word of God. I, I, don't, I don't submit myself to God. And all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm just serving other things and I'm into other things. And, and God is not the center of my life. And God is not okay with that. There is grace, which is awesome, which is a great, the greatest message that we could ever have, is that God, by His grace, came and died for us. Amen. I, it's not by works, lest any man should boast. I come to the cross, I was invited to the cross. I was invited to come to the cross. I didn't even want the cross. But listen, that, that message, that what Jesus did for us is not to be taken lightly in this hour. We have a life-saving message, a life-changing message. And Joshua is saying to the people, serve the Lord with sincerity and serve Him in truth. In truth. And in sincerity. Not, not in perfection, not in everything you do is perfect, in sincerity and in truth. The truth is found here. Amen? You need to know what this says. And the sincerity comes from here. Saying, God, I want to I serve you with my life. And I need direction to do that. And Joshua is declaring to the people, you can't serve the Lord and serve other gods. You can't be mixed-matched. It's not going to work. You can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Like that's, not, that's not what salvation is. When, you, when I got saved, I got fully saved. Like I'm not partially saved this morning in the sense that when I came to Christ, He took all of me. He took every bit of me. Now there's, I'm being sanctified. Amen? But my spirit has been born again, and I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And now my flesh is slowly some days lining up with what the Word of God says. Amen? Because that's the process we go through. But if we're going to turn well, let's just read a scripture that's so humbling to me in Hebrews 10. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews 10, 26. You can write it down if you're, you can read this later. Paul's talking about the great high priest, how there's no further need for animal sacrifice. Jesus we confess him. In verse 26, he says this, If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and a fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. That's from the Mosaic Law in Deuteronomy. 
of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace? God is taking this thing seriously. He's not joking around. And as I read that, I'm like, now listen, we all sin. Anyone ever sin? This week? Okay? That's not what this is saying. This is saying, because we have an advocate with the Father, that when we mess up, we can go to Him. We have someone that we can go to, and He perfects us. So we're not, well, listen, this is when you are turning back to the other gods. You're turning back saying, no, I'm, I'm making a choice that I'm going to live according to myself and my flesh and not according to the Word of God. When you know better, and when you've been enlightened, the Bible says, when you've been enlightened and you know better, and when you decide I'm going to just turn and walk my own way, the Bible has a warning. Listen, I don't mean to sound gloomy. I'll tell a joke later. It'll be all better. But to, for a moment, understand my heart is that I think God is being serious. And he wants a church that understands the hour that we're in. So later in that verse, it says this, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. Church, you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. And some of you have endured. You've, you've stood, you've run the, the race, and you've stood the te- through the test. You've, have, you've had endurance. And the Bible says you need endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And 39 says this, But we are not those who draw back to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We are not those who are going to turn back We are not those who are going to turn away, but we are going to walk and serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Can you say amen to that? Do you you want that in your life? It's not easy some days. Let's be real. Yeah, some days suck. I mean, really. And I don't mean that in a funny way. Some days really are, aren't good. We all are going to have them. We all are going to face situations that are overwhelming and that seem unbearable. That's where the body of Christ comes in. And we can grieve with each other and we can love each other and we can, we can lift each other up. So you need to be people that are sincere and living in truth. Hallelujah. So then over in Judges, now, so we just read Joshua. He's just giving it to them. Serve the Lord? Yes, we will. No, you won't. If, if you're going to serve other gods, you've you got to make a choice. You can't do both. So here, here they are. The book of Judges, we'll just go a few, a few verses in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 7 of Judges says this. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Amen. That's good. Christian Fellowship Church served the Lord all the days of whoever, all the days of Joanna and Jordan. They served the Lord all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. 
for as long as Mitchell was around and as long as he was around. They served the Lord because they had people who understood the message of the cross and brought that. Amen. That's what you want. Who had seen the great works which the Lord had done in Israel. And then Joshua died. And they buried him and he went to be gathered with his, his, his people. Verse 10. When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation. Can you say another generation? Arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done. What happened that there was a generation of people that did not know the Lord? Where was the disconnect? What happened? Where? What, what happened here? There was a whole generation of people who didn't know the Lord. I guarantee they knew of him. They knew who the Lord was. It's not like they're like, oh, there's God? What? I never heard of this thing called God. What is this? This is new. Hmm. No, they knew. They knew who God was, but they never knew him. A generation who didn't know the Lord or the works which he had done, they, they, had, they had trampled on the message of the gospel. They had counted the blood of the covenant as just a common thing, and they didn't know him. And then in verse 11, it says this, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served other gods. We have an important message. Church, we have a task to not let a generation go by that doesn't know the Lord. We can't have a generation of men and women that don't know who Jesus is. Hey, buddy. Hi. How's it going, Mark? Good, bud. This is Ashton. Hi, everybody. I'm not Sheldon. Last week in church, Amy looked over and she said, did you see Ashton? He was just there like this, worshiping the Lord. I said, hallelujah. How old are you? I am 12, going on 13. You're always going on something until you hit 40. And when you hit 40, you're not going on anything. Okay? We're 12 and going on. Awesome. Do you know the Lord? Um, say yes. I got you up here so you could say yes. You know the Lord? Go home. Go sit down. <laughs> There's a generation that didn't know the Lord. I want to tell you, God has no grandchildren and no grandparents. He has children. So when I say there's a generation of people that don't know the Lord, I'm not just talking about a youth group. I'm talking about a generation of people. I'm not talking about Generation X or Generation Next or Generation the Millennials. Or I'm, talking, I'm not talking about the baby boomers. I'm, not, I'm talking about there's a generation of people that don't know the Lord. And it's the church's responsibility that we would bring the message of the gospel out of these walls of this building, that we would live it with our life, that we would serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth and bring the message of the gospel everywhere we go. You are the ministers, the Bible says. 
It is not up to the pastor or the youth pastor to be the ones who carry the message only. It is up to the church of God to be the ministers. The Bible says that you are ministers and you, you are, are being, that's why the, the uh, Christ gave the church gifts, the fivefold ministry, that you might be edified and brought up to do ministry, the Bible says. You are the ministers. You are the ministers. And, and some people don't want to be the ministers. They want someone else to do that because, well, quite frankly, it's scary. And quite frankly, we don't know what to do sometimes. And quite frankly, we sometimes feel that we don't have the capacity to do whatever is in front of us to do. And, and we don't know how to pray or we don't know what to say. Listen, like, listen join the club. Like, when I'm not up here, like, this is easy for me. One of my giftings is I can, like, publicly speak. I'm not saying I'm good at it. I just say I'm comfortable doing it. I'm just saying in school I was always comfortable being the person up in class that was, like, giving the presentation. I had no problem doing that. So we all, we all have giftings and callings. But, but, but you need to understand that you've been called to minister to people who, you are, who, who, who are in your life. And, and we, we, we feel inadequate. And, and, and I feel inadequate. I mean, yeah, I can speak here, but when you get me one-on-one, -on -one, especially if, like, I don't know you, it's awkward for me, right? I, I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm not, I don't do well in those situations. But listen, I'm going to be in those situations where I have people that need to hear the message, that need to hear, that need to be loved. Like, you know, not everybody you, you meet, you're like, you know, you're going to hell, man. Like, you just got to expect, expect, accept Jesus or you're just going to hell. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But, but we can love people and we can invest our lives in people and we can minister to people. And, like, sometimes it's just like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. Like, you know, I know it's scary. Now, some of you have no problem doing that. Like my friend Adam here. Just, like, just wind him up and turn him loose. Look out. Like, he's, he has no problem on that one-on-one. -on -one but not everyone's like that. Some of us are shy, and some of us are bolder. It's just like, listen, we're all, we're all in the same boat. But the message is still the same. And the way that you love somebody is just the way that God has designed it, that you might impact the person you're loving. Amen? There's people who are in your life, and the people that you know, do you think there's a coincidence that they're there? Or is this like this happenstance that the people you work with, and the people in your neighborhood, and the people in your family are the people that are around you? No, they're there because... God has placed him that way. And he's given you the message of hope that you might bring it and deliver it to those people. If you will serve the Lord in sincerity and serve him in truth and not turn back and serve the other gods of the land, but serve the Lord only and bring the message wherever you go and understand that you are the church of God, the greatest organism on the planet. There's a generation that does not know the Lord. Why don't they know? Why don't they know? Because no one ever took the time to invest in them so that they would know. No one ever bothered to invite them to church. No one ever asked, if, can I pray about that for you? And put themselves out of limb. That's why they don't know. Because there's somebody's not telling them. Very few people come to a knowledge of the goodness of God just out of like, boom. 
Like very few people wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I just, I've been living in sin my whole life and I just realized this morning that, that God is good and I need to accept him as my Lord and Savior and, and be born again. No. It happens because somebody took the time to be relational and invest slowly and plant seed slowly and deposit slowly. But somebody was, was, had courage to step out of their comfort zone. I'll give you a real life example. Amy, 20 years ago, worked in a hair salon. 20 years ago, Amy. I, I got to the age where I can say 20 years ago. Isn't that cool? And I, like, I did something 20 years ago. Like, not like I was like, in diapers. No, I was actually like, almost married. So it was, it's, I'm, I'm there. Like, I feel like I've arrived. So, you know, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> 20 years ago, Amy worked in a hair salon. And there were girls in the hair salon that worked there as well. And Amy would witness to these girls and deposit little by little and would get just, you know, blowback galore. Like, especially from one girl. Just, you know, you know how the world is? You ever experienced that? You go to share the gospel, you go to try to love somebody, and you're like, you know, you're just a stupid Christian. Like, I can't believe you're even thinking the way you're thinking. Like, so naive and so narrow-minded. Like, why would you believe that there's only one way, there's only one God? Like, you know, just the foolishness. Foolishness. But she pressed on and, and loved, and then she moved on from that, and she had her own salon for many years. Two, three months ago, two or three months ago, this girl walks into church, bawling and crying. Met Amy's mom on the way in. 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. And this girl walks into church and gives her heart to Jesus. And just a mess. Her life's a mess. It's unfortunate that we need to get to the place where we're in a complete mess, but that's what happens. And she came to the Lord. She came into church. She had watched us online where we stream our services on YouTube. And she watched for a little while, and she said, I need, I need a change. I need something. And the only other thing that's different in my whole life that I've ever experienced that was different was the seed that was planted by a girl in a hair salon that I know there's something different about that message, about that love, about what I experienced with her than anything else I've experienced. The, the mediums and the seances and the tarot card readings and the palm readings and, and, the, and the booze and the, and, the, and, the, and the relationships and all that stuff, all of it left me empty. And she, she understood that there was something about the cross that made a difference. And she came to church. Well, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. She knew where to go. Because somebody planted a seed and somebody deposited and took a step of faith with, listen, with no promise of return. Like she planted a seed in a desert, in a barren ground, with no promise of return. I love witnessing the people who are like ready and frothing at the mouth to accept Jesus. Like I met a guy who I had led to the Lord and he was like, he was just ready. He was like, can you, can you come over, you and Amy come over to our house and like lead me to the Lord? I'm like, that's basically how it went. Like, come on over tonight. You're going to lead me to the Lord tonight. 
that's what happened. We went there and we prayed with him. It's like, I'm like, I'm praying, but I think you've already accepted him. I don't think I need to really do anything. You just, you already did it, obviously, but, you know, confess with your mouth, uh, you know, and uh, the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. So I guess we'll go do that. So, so like there's different, you know, there's different kinds of people. There's some people who are just ready and there's some people who are dry and barren, but the, the, the message is the same. The cross is the same. And if you would just take a minute and deposit seed and not turn back, but make sure that there's a generation that know the Lord. Make sure there's a generation that know who He is. And how are they going to know Him? They're going to know Him by you. They're going to know Him by you. You are Christ unto them. You are Christ unto them. Until they meet the living God themselves, you are Jesus to them. And it's serious. And it it means something bigger than just me saying that. You are an ambassador for Christ. I had a friend one day. Well, I still have a friend, but he's... I have this friend who, when I first got saved, I got quite, you know, I lost all my friends. I got saved when I was 15. So just when I was turning cool, like just when I was beginning to be cool, I got saved. And it's like, boom, what a way to, to destroy your coolness by getting saved. Like, oh, man, what, a, what was I thinking? I was thinking the greatest thing in the world is what I was thinking. But anyway, it kind of, you know, all my friends kind of turned away from me. They didn't really have much to do with me. And, um, and this one guy, one of those guys, we were talking one day, and we were talking about the fact that I accepted Christ. And he was like, you know, did you, like, really do that or whatever? And, and so I decided to joke with him. And I was like, no, no, that was just a joke, man. I was only kidding. Anyway, then, then we, like, stupid joke. I know. But anyway, uh, I was, like, 15. What do you expect? Ever met a 15-year-old? Just, what are they thinking half the time? No offense to any 15-year-olds that are in the building. I met 50-year-olds 50, 50 that are just, like Adam said, boys who shave. A lot of boys who can shave in the church. We need more men. That's another message. <laughs> was I talking about my friend? He, later on, he came to me, and he said, were you serious about what you, what you said to me? I said, no, man, I'm, I was only joking. It was a stupid joke, but I, I, I really gave my heart to the Lord. He said, okay, good. He said, because you're my only hope for God in this world. I thought, whoa. I mean, I don't even know anything. I prayed twice when I got saved so that I make sure that it stuck because I didn't even know. I got saved in my bedroom, and I, I was a good kid. I wasn't like a bad kid. I was raised like in a home that I had everything I wanted and, and you know, maybe a little spoiled. And I had um, great parents who loved me, and, you know, I, I wasn't into anything, but I knew that I needed Jesus. Like the message of the cross transcends like that. Like I knew I was a sinner because I was born a sinner and, and I gave my heart to Jesus. And he said to me, and when I gave my heart to the Lord, I was like, you know, come into my heart. And then I prayed it again. I think the next night just to make sure, because I knew it was real and I didn't want to miss it. So I didn't know. I, I figured if I pr- prayed a couple times, at least I'll get something right. And he said to me, you're my only hope for God. I thought, wow, like what, do you understand what you're carrying? Like the message of the, of the gospel, it's the greatest message. So I would encourage you this morning, carry it with sincerity. 
live out your life with truth. Invest in the Word of God. Become people, become people who understand and know Him. Not just what the pastor preaches, but that you would understand and know Him. And make sure that this verse never gets written again anywhere. That there will never be a generation who does not know the message of the gospel. That there never be a generation who don't know Him. We cannot let that happen. We won't let it happen. Not, not while I'm here. Not while Adam's here. I know that. Not while, not while you guys are here. I know that there are people that are standing here saying, not on my watch. Not while I'm here will I let that happen. I will do everything in my power, everything within me, everything that, every ability God has given me to proclaim the message of truth to those who are in my life and those who are around me and those who I've been called to influence. And I won't squander the time. Can you stand with me this morning? Bless your name, Lord. God is so faithful. Just as we uh, just close, and I don't even know what time it is. Okay. Just want to invite you this morning just to respond, not not to me, but just respond to the Lord. And uh, the band's just going to play some music. But I just want you this morning. You don't have to come to the altar, but you can. You can step out in an aisle. You can go to the back. You can do something. You can go to your knees, or you can. I want you to just take some sort of step of faith. Um, we'll, we'll call it just a prophetic, a prophetic, um, you know, declaration that you make over your own life to say, God, I am, I am going to be one who follows you in sincerity and in truth, and I want to make sure that I am part of the of the of the plan to carry the gospel. I don't want to be one who is turned back. And, and is serving other gods. I want to, with sincerity and with truth, serve you. And you don't have to be in a place of perfection to do that. You just need to have a willing heart to say, God, I want that in my life. I want to serve you. And you might be a Christian for, for many, many years. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in this moment in history right now, for such a time as right now, that you would be a people that would turn to the Lord and turn away from wickedness. I'm not saying you're in wickedness. I'm saying that we would turn away. If, 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 if you are, then you need to turn from it. But you would be a, a men and women this morning that would say, yes, yes, we will serve the Lord. 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 And I want to guarantee you something. You will have opportunity in your life not to serve the Lord. You will have opportunity to just say, ah, it's too hard or I don't know or I don't know what to do you will have that opportunity but will you serve the Lord anyways will you serve the Lord with insincerity and in truth would you take a step this morning to declare that unto the Lord not not because I'm asking you to but you can come here go back there go outside it doesn't matter just take a step of faith say God while I'm here while I'm here me and my home me and my house will serve the Lord. Me and my house will serve the Lord. And on my watch, I will not let a generation go by that does not know how great you are and does not understand your works and how awesome and amazing you are and the message of the gospel and the message of the cross. 
how will they know unless someone is sent and someone preaches to them and someone deposits, deposits in them good seed. 